Shorty, my name is Jared Birdsong, also known as Barack Baggins, first black mayor of the Shire. Uh, with me is my man Frank Escamilla. I'm gonna let my man Frank say hello. What's up, my people? Frank Escamilla, Pablo Naruto, um, Professor Mex, and all that other good stuff. How you doing? Nice. Also with us, um, here um, in three different studios. I'm actually in my closet, but nonetheless, uh, is Jared Sams, Nerdmaster General. What's going on, man? Tin Hut. That's one. I think that's what I'm gonna say now because I'm a Nerdmaster General. Get it? And so Tin Hut. You know, that's like a whole riff on the military. It's a whole thing. You guys get it. But I think I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. What's up? How you guys doing? I kind of don't get it, man. Catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, buddy. I mean, come on, Tin Hut. You got, see, you guys didn't see me salute. If you're at home, you didn't see me salute as I said Tin Hut, and that's why I didn't get that it. That was a shameful salute. <laughs> Fingers wall crooked. You got that, that witch finger. Uh. <laughs> it's a lazy man salute. You know, I, uh, I'm not trying to dishonor our, our troops or anything. It looked like you picked your hand up and it got tired and fell back down. That's what it looks <laughs> Uh, uh, no one can see that because there's no video of this podcast. So I apologize for even attempting that. Um, what's up, y'all? You know, you think Master P is a nerd? Like, you know, I'm thinking of like, now I'm thinking of like <laughs> the Master P No Limit Army. You know what I mean? I'm thinking like, like, do you think Master P, you think, you think he fucks with some nerd shit? You know what? I, with Master P and Grant, I never really dug his music. But he was a pretty decent basketball player. I don't know if you remember, he played for the uh, Toronto Raptors I for like did. a hot second. Not on the professional team, I think he was playing in the development league. So as far as I'm concerned, that cat could possibly be into anything, man. You never know with some of these people. Well, I think anybody that puts the the title master in their name is at least <laughs> some sort of kung fu nerd, you know? I mean, especially with the uh, with the relationship between kung fu and hip-hop. You gotta right. be some kind of nerd, man. So. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. I, I thought it was like a plantation thing. I thought he was. <laughs> he's a he is a southern rapper, so I thought that master meant something else. But I guess, I guess it might. It might. I don't sense. I don't know. I don't know if we want to spend all our time talking about Master P. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm. I'll read you my uh, thirty-two page dissertation on Master P. It's how I got my PhD in Master P. This is PH. Okay, let's go. Let's move. Let's go. Now the tattoo makes sense. I get it. <laughs> I like the face tattoo of Master P. You guys finally get it. Nice. Well, check it. This is our um our 2020 year in review and uh, episode. And also, what we're doing is we're doing um our anticipations for 2021. That sounded kind of perverted, calling it anticipation. You got to come up with a different name for calling it that. <laughs> There's something first of all called our anticipation. I'm so anticipated. Um, Jared, I'm so anticipated. Yeah. The 2021 uh, forecast. There it is. Uh, I, man, leave it to Frank. Good title, man. You know, I think there's a lot to look forward to in the upcoming year. I mean, I think with what Marvel and Star Wars put out, obviously, you know, Disney is at the forefront of all that. In the past month, maybe a month and a half, has given us reason to really be excited about the upcoming year. So I wanted to obviously ask you guys things you were anticipating. What did you, but let's start off with 2020 just a little bit. We're not going to beat up 2020 because like Jared Sam said, the Nermaster General, 
it's almost too easy to beat up 2020. Obviously, there's things that happened within, within 2020 that are worthy of discussion along the lines of um, racial inequality, the way that authority views um, people of color versus uh, our Caucasian counterparts in our society. But we're not going to do that tonight. So instead, uh, let's start off with Professor Mex, Pablo Naruto. Hey, man, uh, what did you read in 2020? What did you watch in 2020 that made 2020 work that helped you get through the, the COVID year? Um, yeah, I was really in anticipation for this, so I'm excited to be able to, that word anticipation, man, it's so sexy, Jerry. <laughs> anticipation. Anticipation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, so thanks, alone. so jumping in, I think the most exciting thing, uh, you know what the most exciting thing was for me, bro, you know? I, I mean, know. We, we didn't get to talk about it, I know this full episode is not going to be about it, but, but bro, Luke. You know, I mean, Luke Skywalker coming out like they planned it. You know, they planned it. I called it, by the way. I called it, right? Uh, <laughs> you can go back and listen to earlier Mutant More Minorities, and I called it. But, but still, despite the fact that I called it, it was it was it was partially trying to read into the story and partially that young hope in me, right? That young Jedi not wanting to die. A new hope, you would say. It was. It was a little bit of a new hope. Yeah, it was a, it was a bruised hope, but <laughs> it healed up. Um, so yeah, I mean that that made. I mean, The Mandalorian itself is just it was it's a phenomenal show, but that that season just blew everything else out of the water for me. I mean, we got Ahsoka, we got Boba Fett back, and then and then uh, the way that that our hero right was redeemed and and respected in the final episode of the mandalorian just it it did it like it in my nerd heart it made up for everything else in 2020 now not really right i'd still love that year back um and i'd still love to see people but <laughs> but but uh yeah but for the moment man i mean it was just it was it, it was it was just that episode was so much from the the battle Right from the battle between uh, between um, Mando and uh, I want to forget his name right now, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon between that battle, right, and you knew what was going to happen if you watched uh, if you watched Rebels, you know, if you watched Clone Wars, you knew what was going to happen at, from that point in the story, and then just when all feels like you know all hope is lost, we see the X wing flying, bro. Right, and I screamed and I cried. I ugly cried, bro. Shame to cry in front of people, but it was ugly. It was so ugly, and it was most mascaras running, and yeah, it was. I would, I would have loved to have seen that, Frankie. It was. I mean, I looked like a like a, a weeping Viking, you know. Was, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that's top three, man. I mean, we got R two, right? Like there were so many moments in that that just like that just like resurrected, you know, that Star Wars nerd in me. You know, and to see Luke battle in the way that it was just so many little little Easter eggs, right? And and to see Luke battle in the way that we always wanted to see him, right? And now to see one of our new or two of our new characters, um, you know, be able to to have a conversation with him, right? To interact with him, and to see where it's going. It was just, yeah, it it it, it was you know the best thing for 20, of twenty twenty for me. You know, it, 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 it's, I didn't think Star Wars could surprise me, but I'm not going to lie. When I saw Luke Skywalker, I was, like, legit surprised. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like this cold, calloused, 
heart of mine like started beating again. You know what I mean? Like, like it was like, oh shit! Like I, I don't know. Like I didn't for some reason I didn't expect it. Even people like Frankie, you know, saying, "Hey, this is a thing that could possibly happen." I was still kind of like, they won't do it, and when they do do it, they'll fuck it up, right? But like, I don't know. It was it was so well done. Um, the payoff to the episode, seeing Luke. You know, it was a little bit uncanny valley for me, but I mean, but still, it's hard to front, right? It's hard to not like, like my mom watched that episode and she called me like, "Yo, Luke, my son, Luke is," you know what I mean? Like, like there's just there's that connection there that like it could have been any other Jedi. It could, they could have recast Luke. Like, I know there's talk about maybe Sebastian Stan. You know, with his lookalike ass being uh, being cast as Luke Skywalker, but there's something about actually seeing Mark, a young Mark Hamill, that like it, it, you just can't really, you can't really like. It, it, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, it. it, it, know, it, it oh, go ahead, Jerry. Well, I was gonna say, if I, I, I don't want to take away from uh, Frankie's moment here, but if I may say, the thing that surprised me the most that I found out while I was watching that episode. Is that Ming Na Wen is fifty-seven years old? What? <laughs> he's fifty-seven. Hey, look, man. I know. Hey, look, black don't crack. But I don't even know what to say about Ming Na. <laughs> like, be careful. Be careful. Whatever you want to say, be careful. Fifty-seven. That's all I gotta say. Dude, she looks amazing. She's gonna. I'm telling you, I say this about black people and Asian people. Is that like I feel yeah. like. I feel like we'll look we'll look youthful and amazing until we're like sixty, right? And then like w- then one day we're we're gonna look like the oldest motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life. You know, like like we should be on a mountaintop somewhere teaching teaching people the the meaning of life or something like that. You look like Yoda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, like Ozzy Davis. Like I'm gonna look like this my whole entire life, and then one day I'm like Ozzy. Look up, look up, Ozzy Davis, and not even know what happened. Yeah, man. No, I mean, thank you for stealing from Luke, man. I mean, you know, for for bringing the attention away from him with this conversation. You guys, stop it! Like, this is- <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I do, I do want to say this. I want to say that that um, you know, it's, it's like people, I think people sometimes think we're silly for being so passionate about these things, right? Um, you know, and and I, like, to me, growing up, like with, like, you know, I don't have much in common with with Luke Skywalker, man, but, but to, to see someone so full of hope, right. Um, it, it kind of reflects like part of the journey that happened in my life. Right. Like, like, uh, you know, my, my father wasn't always here. You know, my father was in and out of prison. My father was, you know, he was, he was sick. He was, you know, a drug addict, you know, at times. And so he, he would be here and he wouldn't. Um, but to witness Luke, like in, in in the entire story, right? And and have his mentor saying, "Nah, dude, your dad's gone. He's gone. You know, it's he's too he's too far gone. He's too evil. You can't come back. You can't come f- back from the dark side, right?" Um, and and for Luke to never give up hope to be like, "Nah, I felt it. Like I know there's something good there, right?" And and to defy all odds, right? And and uh, and bring that person back, right? To bring to renew faith to like to like um, resurrect hope. Like it was just, it's, it's so meaningful to me. And to witness that Luke again, for me, for that child in me, for that young person who, who found hope in that moment, man, it, it just, you know, it, it, it made 2020. It really did. Damn. So <laughs> let me ask you this. 
I think the thing that I when I think of Star Wars and I think of Frankie, I think about you know having a long conversation with Frankie where he spent about two straight hours ranting about the Last Jedi. When Luke showed up, I thought, okay, here's a redo because the way Luke went out in the Last Jedi, I, I don't want to say stupid. It, it didn't fill you, you with hope. Say it. It didn't, feel, it, didn't, it didn't feel you with hope, Jared? Is that what you're saying? You, you didn't feel hopeful after watching that? Well, I, you, know, you know my feelings about the way the Hulk went out in Endgame. I felt that was actually worse than the way Luke went out. We expected more, at the very least, in terms of what Luke's epilogue would be, right? You know, what would be the end of his story, how it would be told. But of course, you know, when I think of Star Wars in that moment, especially considering what happened in last year, I think of Frankie. So in that moment when Luke, when that X-Wing showed up, I thought, okay, hopefully this redo will suffice. And it did. It made that final episode. I will say this, though. Um, that fight with the Mandalorian and the Dark Trooper, man, my daughter was very upset during that. She, when he, that thing started punching his helmet, actually when it first threw him, man, my daughters were like really upset. They thought he was going to die. Because they knew it was the last episode. So it was a super emotional like evening at our house. And then when it started just punching his helmet, but it was fresh that the helmet never gave, which I thought was like a cool metaphor for the character. The helmet never gave way. The wall did. I thought that was super cool, man. Anyways, let me uh, digress. This is Frankie's... Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's... If we're picking one, that's the moment. You know, that's the moment. And yeah. I think uh, I think it was... It was the moment for a lot of people, a lot of Star Wars fans, a lot of nerds. Period. Like, it um, for you know, for a, a silly space show, you know, um, it it really uh, yeah, it, it I think it really it it um, rekindled hope, you know, in in multiple <laughs> ways. Not only in like the nerd nerddom, not only in the Star Wars fan base, but just like. Yo, you know that there's a possibility to rewrite our story, right? Yeah, like, you know that some people tell our stories some ways, you know, but we can always rewrite our stories, you know. So that's beautiful. You know, that's uh, that's beautiful. No, I mean, Mandalorian is 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 a stunning show. Like like, uh, you know, even season one, like you know, I liked it, but like season two. It just showed a different side of itself that uh, really sort of took it to the next level. You know, took it to a, a level that, um, as a star, as a you know, as a as an ex Star Wars fan, um, I'm still a little like gun shy about calling myself <laughs> about about jumping on that bandwagon or jumping on it again. You know, like, but I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm excited to sort of see where all this goes. I'm excited to maybe one day say hey look it i'm i love star wars again you know um i also i just love the fact that they keep on using like p p you know talent of color behind the camera you know what i mean like like you know granted they do make the cardinal sin of putting gina carano in front of the camera <laughs> and that's unfortunate yeah, yeah but uh but seeing you know that seeing them use like Rick, Rick Fukuyama and, you know, Deborah Chow and, you know, Robert Rodriguez. Like, I, I got to tell you, the Boba yeah, Fett yeah. episode didn't work for me until I saw who directed it. And then for some reason, it all clicked. Like, as soon as I saw Robert Rodriguez directed the episode, I was like, any issues I have with that episode? I'm like, oh, no, those weren't issues. Those are flourishes. And all this works. You know, like, like them bringing all, the, all that together in a way that really makes me proud to... 
um, to, you know, yeah, to, to fucks with Star Wars. So Frankie, um, I have a question. How you felt about episode two to the final episode? You have to admit, when you watched episode two, you were a little bit discouraged. Yeah, I thought it was, well, I just thought the frog was dumb. I thought it was a waste of, of an episode. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm not going back on that. Yeah. Nor am I saying like yeah. everything's forgiven, right? Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm, I'm still wounded by The Last Jedi. You know, and I mean, the whole sequel, sequel trilogy, like, really, I'm like, you know, but, but it, it, um, you know, but that, that's, I I feel like that's what's exciting about this show, right? Because I'm like, okay, I didn't like that one, but let's see what's next, right? It wasn't like, oh, it's over. They had a dumb frog lady jumping, you know, trying to get away (laughs) by hopping, you know, it's like, okay, that, that didn't work for me. But I'm still interested in seeing what's what's coming next, you know. And 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 John Favreau and Dave Filoni are just like they're, they're killing the game, man. You know they are. You know they're they're being like Jared Jared S said, they're being inclusive, you know, for all these creatives of color. Um, you know they're they're changing the way that um, they're just changing so much. They're changing the way that television is done now. You know they're they're uh, yeah they're just they're really again rekindling hope. You know. It's it's it, they've come a long way when you um, when you consider that in that first series the only people of color they really had was James Earl Jones behind the mask, they had Lando Calrissian, and then they had Chewie. But those were the only three you know minorities they had on the whole series. And so at this point they've come a long way. I think Yoda's technically a person of color, so yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> we have to say Yoda. Yeah. Uh, green counts. Jared, how about you? No, for me, it's not watch. You know, for me, it's uh, it's it's read. You know, like uh, by by virtue of being inside all the freaking time, I, I end up reading, catching up on a lot of my comic books. Um, you know, reading a lot of really interesting stuff, which was which is really cool. And you know, um, and one of the books that stood out for me um, was a book called Immortal Hulk. Um, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Paperback. It's it's crazy in that you know, like you know, when you talk about like, oh, my favorite graphic novel, the my favorite thing I read, novel, graphic, otherwise, uh, was a Marvel comics book about the about you know Hulk, about a big old rage monster. Uh, it feels like a like a cheap yeah. answer, um, but I mean, like, but I mean, it's the truth, you know. Uh, Immortal Hulk is just it just it. It scratched all the all the things that I wanted to uh, that I needed this for for twenty twenty. You know, like it, it's escapist. You know, but but there's still like uh, there's still a, a neon beam of sort of truth um, that pertains, especially you know you, you know when you think about this is a, what a week away from the Capitol riots, um, especially in in light of of that, in light of um, just the the nature uh, of, of just anger and rage that has kind of gripped the country, uh, and, and not just um, from you know, <laughs> not just from people I don't agree with, but also from people I do agree with. You know, there's there's just kind of a, uh, this the streak of extremism um, in terms of like emotions in in, in how we uh, and how we process uh, that anger and rage. 
in America and Immortal Hulk is a book that's about that, right? It's a book about how we process our anger. It's a book about how um, and ha- how we let how we let that anger and rage uh, destroy us, right? But also how anger and rage can lead to great things, can lead to good things. You know, it it, it just depends on you know uh, your particular outlet for it, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, like Immortal Hulk is, is definitely top of my list, you know, like, uh, this year, uh, the book went in crazy, crazy ways. I mean, crazy, uh, just, we went from like the Hulk, uh, declaring war on humanity, uh, because essentially, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know a lot about the, the Immortal Hulk, right? But essentially it's a book about, it's a book about, a white man who can't die, right? And he gets mad, and the more he, the more mad he gets, the more powerful he gets, right? And and no one questions that power, right? Like there's a conversation he has with uh, with uh, someone who's kind of like she's like a reporter. She's a she's a black woman. She's a reporter who's sort of like tagging along on his adventure, kind of recording the things that he's going through. And she's talking about just like. Look at man, if I just get mad at people, people like jump down my throat. You know what I mean? Like you turn into a giant rage monster and destroy Boston, right? <laughs> and the Avengers still lets you off the hook. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's just there's just this uh yeah, I, it, there's there is a sort of there's a through line to that book that, again, just ties into so much that we're seeing today. And um, and just in terms of just processing uh, what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world, uh, the Immortal Hulk uh, was more than just, you know, a bunch of cool monster designs and action scenes and a, a shot of the, the Hulk at the end of time uh, destroying the last sun because he is as big as Galactus now, right? Like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. It's an insane book. But also it's, yeah, like I said, it's about, it's about anger. And it's about figuring out what, how to, what to do with that anger. You know, I just bought the trade paperback for um, The Immortal Hulk. I literally just received it about three days ago. And I've been looking forward to read it for a while because it's been out for a minute. Right. But I've been looking forward to read it and I just had never had the opportunity to get around to it. So now like having, you know, listened to you, I guess it was a, a good choice to try you know, to pick it up at the very least. It's stunning. It's great. And also, you know, not to make it sound boring. I mean, like it's also about a bunch of monsters fighting each other. The artist, Joe Bennett, he does this amazing, yeah. he's so great at designing monsters, right? These, his monster design it's a horror book, right? And so, like, it's, yeah. take, it's taking the Hulk into this horror kind of um, this horror sort of category, and it, it's it's like the designs are like horrific, right? Like, like you turn a page and you know you're 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 face first into like uh, this creature design that you're just like, ugh, like you don't want to see it, you don't even want to touch the page because it's so gross, you know? Like, yeah. like like it's it's uh, it's hard to scare people in comics, you know. Uh, but they they're yeah. able to do it month in and month out, you know, and and really unsettle you in ways that uh, that makes you feel uncomfortable in, in really great ways, you know, like 
Uh, horror is just hard to do in general. But yeah, like I said, in, in a sequential art form, doing it, you know, um, uh, doing it effectively uh, can be a challenge. But these guys, they they do it, man. They do it. Like, you know, uh, and I'm surprised Marvel lets them do it in a way. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, the Hulk was in, the Hulk was a big, was a major character in one of the most popular movies ever made, right? Popular things, pieces of entertainment, entertainment ever made. And so the fact that, like, if you watch Endgame and say, I like the Hulk, he went out and bought the Hulk book, like, you could see and hear and, and you could see some shit. You could see some stuff and read some stuff that will make you uncomfortable. And, and they deal with topics like, um, like ch child, uh, child abuse. They deal with topics like, like consent, like they, they, they deal with so many adult, uh, uh, things, but it doesn't feel adult in the way that like, you know, like a Zack Snyder movie feels adult where it just feels like, Oh, it's just dark for the sake of being dark. It's dark in ways that really kind of make you think about yourself and make you think about, um, you know, your decisions in life kind of thing. So go I on, go ahead, Frankie. I think how it reflected what happened on Capitol Hill the other, Hill the other day. You know, yeah. what happens when uh, when white rage starts to erupt, you know, and witnessing like police officers, you know, uh, or footage of police officers helping people in and out, you know, it's it's a, uh, you know, thinking about the Avengers and, and that point that you just made, you know, I just I find it interesting, man. I had a, a conversation today in a class when when uh, uh, it's a new class that I just uh, poetry workshop class that I just started. And this this young uh, this little uh, eighth grader, she she asked me, um, do you ever get angry, and what do you do with that anger, you know, and you know, and or how do you get rid of it, and you know, and I had this the opportunity, you know, to to share the practice, and I'm like, why well, anger is it's not a bad thing, you know, like when we're, if we're, if we learn to be in relationship with it, right? Anger is a, um, anger is an indicator that a boundary has been crossed, you know, and then when we, we cease to be able to, to, to recognize these boundaries um, and express, you know, um, how we feel about them being crossed, it turns into rage and rage becomes this destructive force, right? This, this Hulk, right? That, that's blinded yeah. by, 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 pure emotion and and has held everything into the moment where it, it just it doesn't have a valve to release the steam so it blows up you know so i don't know i just thought it was, it was it's it was interesting man you made me really want to want to pick it up or borrow it from you at least yeah no it's 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 worth the read and it definitely touches on those topics and um you know much more people are reading it you know like it, it's uh you know, it, 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 it's proof, to me, it's proof, it's, it's exhibit A, at least from 2020, that comics can be more than just, the entertainment can just be, can be more than just one thing. You know, like, I feel like some, a lot of times it's easy to kind of say, oh, entertainment either needs to be entertaining or it needs to be art, right? You can't have both. But like, I love reading Marvel and DC and just comics in general, just because I feel like they do such a good job of doing both. There's so many comics out there doing such a good job of saying we're art, but we're also entertainment. We're something that that engages you and makes you want to go through it, but we're also something that has something to say. And not every comic does that. That's for fuck sure. <laughs> not every comic uh, can do that. But uh, but I don't know. I feel like I read a lot of them that, that at least attempt to, uh, and, and that's uh, commendable. You know, before we started recording, you know, we, we were talking about what Marvel planning to do or 
not planning to do or what they had done with the Punisher character in regards to recent events, right? I liked John Pernthal's quote, and I, I relate this to what Frankie and yourself were saying about the Hulk. And his quote was that these people are lost and afraid. Um, and basically him trying to say that they had nothing to do with, you know, what Frank Castle stands for. Now, I disagree with him on that because I believe that even though Frank Castle is one of my favorite uh, Marvel characters, I do believe the character is lost and afraid. That's why I think it's such a good comic book, especially as a, um, as a character piece, right, as a character study. But I think that that same thing, it refers to the Hulk, that the Hulk is an isolated character that's lost and that is afraid. And that is always, to me, seemed to what stimulated his anger. The Hulk is also one of my favorite characters. Him and uh, Punisher, I'd say, probably my top five at least. What um, was going on with them internally, to me, was, was the most compelling stuff out there. And I always wanted to read the stories that had more depth than just basically getting cats out of trees or fighting giant monsters, that there was something a little bit more to it. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. 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 Baggins, what, what do you, what do you got? What, what's your, what's your 2020 take? <laughs> what's your 2020, uh, thing takeaway? Um, you know, I was trying to go through my list to see what mattered the most. Normally I would say, I would probably said, that it was what something I'd watched because it's easier for me to get to that, taking time out to read comic books or even books, which I read several books and several comic books in during my COVID year. It would be Chad Lowry's Soldiers Unknown, which was the one that uh, I posted the video for Mutant or Minority about, which is about um, American Indians during the, um, the First World War, uh, essentially being conscripted into the First World War. I remember when I was a kid, I would go to the comic book store and there'd always be like, you know, those Sergeant Rock books or GI Joe books, but they never appealed to me in the occasions that I did read them. They never really had any depth to me that I, you know, but maybe I was cause I was young understanding what the characters were talking about in terms of war. It's possible that those comic books would mean more to me now as an adult. But like I said, uh, I would say Chad Lowry, but I think that I'm going to say something that Frankie's not going to relate to. Actually, my 2020 was kind of made by rewatching the original Star Trek series. I think sometimes, man, you got to rewatch some stuff with fresh eyes. I know I mentioned this uh, last time we spoke, Jared, but that show is filled with philosophical questions, uh, you know, existential philosophical questions. You know, I have to admit, don't get me wrong, Kurt's libido is debilitating i don't understand like they should have like put a chastity belt on that dude some sort of like you know new technology chastity belt in that cat because it got him in so much trouble the thing about it is i'm re-watching the the new the star trek next generation the first officer Riker, he's even worse man they've gotten in so many problems because of that dude's libido he's actually worse than kirk but if you could go back and watch that first series of star trek it's, I mean, there's, it's full of all kinds of interesting philosophical questions that are existential questions about how we treat each other. What does it mean to be alive? In what ways life can exist? It was no doubt the most progressive show that existed at the time, in spite of all the sexist things that happened, that happened within the show. I think I had mentioned to you guys that that very first episode, um, the first officer with Captain Pike on the very first episode of Star Trek, she is a woman, she has pants on, she's in charge when Captain Pike gets taken hostage on the planet. 
but it was the pilot episode. And by the time like Kirk became captain, man, all the ladies were in many skirts. And every time you saw a woman, it had that like Sybil Shepherd, you know, glowy kind of hazy uh, filter on the screens. They should have just had Beavis and Butthead or, or, or that matter. They should have had Wayne's World saying swing because you could just hear his boner get erect. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and then whenever the ship would shake, Kirk would grab the lady's shoulders and he'd hold them close. And I was like, man, it was just so incredibly patronizing. But there's a lot of things the show did right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I mean, I, I would say that the rewatch of Star Trek there's an episode, man. I got to tell you guys, there's an episode, which is the fresh. I mean, even though Frank Edo didn't watch, doesn't watch Star Trek, you probably, he probably knows about the first, uh, um, damn, Jared, what is it? The priority, um. Oh, the, uh, oh my God. Uh, I can't uh, think of it now. Uh, the prime directive. The prime, prime directive. directive. The prime directive is the prime directive, right? That you got to be careful about what you do, especially with planets and life forms that are less, technologically and sociologically evolved than those of Starfleet, right? There's an episode in this where, where Kirk goes to this planet, Kirk and Spock go to this planet, and they, they meet this race of people who are at war with another race of people on a separate planet, right? And Jared, I don't know if you remember this episode, but what's happening is that because they love their buildings and their homes and their streets, um, this race, let's call it race number one and race number two, decide that they're going to have a virtual war. And so what's going to happen is that you're going to launch one race launches 15 missiles at them and says, well, that should kill approximately 15,000 people. So 15,000 people on planet number two, they just hop into a disintegrator and die. And nothing actually ever gets destroyed. And so in retaliation, planet number two sends, you know, some missiles, and they kill 15,000 people and 15,000 people on planet number one jump into a disintegrator. And Kirk's appalled by this. Ha every time people jump into the incinerator, it keeps the peace. And these people are afraid that if they stop jumping into the incinerator, that it'll start an actual war. But Kirk is so appalled. What him and Spock do is they keep people from jumping into the, into the incinerator and the people on the planet get bugged out. Now they're going to come and attack, and you're, you'll, it's going to be your fault. The thousands of people are going to die. And Kirk basically says, you guys need to understand real war, what death and horror of war is really like. And then he just looks at Kirk and says, let's get out of here. There's no epilogue. There's no discussion. <laughs> just takes off. It's incredible, man. I, I, you got to see the episode, man. Because normally it's some, when, in that situation on any show, they kind of want to talk. They want to philosophize about it. Nah, Kirk just bounces. Yeah, I gotta say that. I, know, I mean, man. you ain't selling me on the show. I'm like, that would have pissed me off. Like he ain't gonna <laughs> ruin shit, and then he ain't even gonna stick around to help them negotiate. Like you're forcing your <laughs> your way of thinking, your structures into their life. Yeah, and you gonna leave, and then you gonna leave everybody wondering what <laughs> happened. That shit would have pissed me off, bro. I'm already pissed That's off right now. <laughs> yeah. I was watching. That's the actual comedy of the show. Like his point was is made. Like that's the comedy of the show is because he makes this really awesome point. It's almost like the writers just got lazy. Like they just didn't. They just. It seems like they got to a point where they just stopped writing and just basically just said cut. Now I was watching this. You reminded me when I was watching this uh, this mini doc on YouTube about hyena men yeah. in Nigeria, and it's it's in this small little. Uh, province, township, 
where uh, where they yeah. it's just horrible. There's like barely any clean water. The food is trash everywhere, yeah. bro. And historically, they like they fuck with animals, you know. So they be catching hyenas and training them, and then they do like mini circuses in the streets, right? And they like they like uh, riding the hyenas, you know, and they're training them so they can put their head their, in the mouth. They have cobras and they have baboons walking around that they train like people that are handling cobras. It looks pretty. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> like, I don't want to live there. Yeah. Like I don't want to be there. That you know, it looks like that doesn't look like it's a good time for anybody. Like those poor animals yeah. or whatever, <laughs> you know. But that you know, it's a hyena. That you, you, that fool will eat you if you got the chance. So and then they had mentioned real quick, like you know, the West Western world, you know, comments on this and they want this stuff to stop. Because it's cruelty to animals and it's this, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that either. Like, you know, just because it's not how you live, don't mean you got a right to tell these people yeah. how to live. You know, so that's what it just it just reminded me of man that episode you just talked about. It's like, here's another <laughs> here's another white man coming in and deciding <laughs> what's best for a, a culture for a people. You know, yeah. like, and then he's just gonna leave. Well, that's that's but that's the point of Star Trek, right? I mean, it, it they it's called the Prime Directive, right? Like 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 yeah. they are in direct, you know, like they're doing something wrong, right? And the show, like look, okay, I love Star Wars, right? But the reason why I fucks with Star Trek is because they ask questions and they actually ponder those questions, right? Bigger questions than just you know who went to fight a laser sword or a laser blaster. <laughs> Which is a which is a great question. It's a great question. I'm I'm in. What would would, would a flamethrower beat? That was, uh, that was a low low blow. That was a little cute little little, little low blow. I'm just look at I look at a trekker. A trekkie. or trek. You said Shrekky? That's you talking about Shrek? No, we're talking Shrekky or a trekker. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a Shrekky. I'm not. I'm so, not. A so big, Prime oh. Directive is kind of like Manifest Destiny. No, no, Prime Directive. Like no, Prime Directive is literally what you're saying. Prime Directive is literally do not tell people what to do. It is not your place to tell people what to do. It is against the Federation to do that. It is not our place to tell other people how to live their life. But Kirk did it anyway. Yeah, because Kirk sucks. That's that's what's great that's about Bob, that's Bob what's great. That's what's great about the original series, though, is that Kirk sucks like kirk is like he, he he's trying to bang as many people as possible like like he is he is he is the but he, he like is the worst version of that like creature yeah. like that yeah. like he, he's like his conscience he's like his you know i, I don't I, I know what i've heard about it right you know right. i i've heard what you know the people that spot come from so spock let this shit happen too so yeah, no, Spock did let that shit happen. Yeah, you know, that's the thing about Star Trek though, right? Especially the original series, right? It's like it's flawed in many ways because it's it's a product of its time. And so and it's and its time can be pretty fucking horrible. But I mean, but also you think about how optimistic it is for a 60s TV show. It's you know the first what was it is it the first televised interracial kiss between a what you know between yeah, I mean like like and just the idea of saying like here's here's a future where we all get along, you know, like like to this day in 2021, that is a radical idea. <laughs> 2021 that's still a radical notion you know like like in star trek 
of the original series at least. Uh, I haven't seen every episode, Jared. I've not seen the episode you're talking about, and it's not my favorite Star Trek series for sure. But uh, but yeah, does that that said, like like what it tries to do in the context of when it was doing it, it, it it's it, there's nothing yeah. like it, and there, and there's just like an unbridled energy to like the creativity. Every episode is about something else. It's about some political social flashpoint that they're trying to take perspective on, right? They're trying to look at it from different angles and trying to answer the question in a way that feels like feels philosophical, feels weighty, it feels meaty. I mean that that's that's a lot for a for a, like a primetime television show. Like you know what I mean? Like like that's a lot. Like that's uh, yeah, no, that's uh I, I need to watch all of Star Trek, but I mean like all the original series at least. My recommendation is, man, if you get the chance, even for Frankie, man, because I know that you appreciate the heady uh, philosophical questions, if you could just get through. Jared, obviously, you're already down for the cause, man. I would recommend going, watch it with new eyes. I haven't, up until this year, I hadn't seen the original series in like over 20 years, man. So it was just kind of on a whim that I decided to, tr to watch it again. It feels different watching it now. Like I said before, watching different shows at a different point in your life maybe would mean something different to me now. But I'm going to tell you, man, Captain Kirk's a far better captain than I remember. If it wasn't for his libido, I would say he's a great cap. And I would, I would recommend, even out there, the chance, go out there and give it another chance. One. How many episodes in the first season? There's only one. Dude, well, you know one. what? The... No, go for it, Jared. No, I was going there's not that there's many. There's only... We keep on talking over each other. There's only three seasons of of, of the next of next of the first series, right, Jared? So there's not there's not that yeah. many episodes. Yeah. Right? But isn't there like eighty five per season or something like that? <laughs> That's fair. It's like thirty episodes. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, man. It's like... No, it's thirty but, episodes like said, total. Yeah. It's it's not it's not thirty episodes per season. It's thirty episodes like total. Like that's how many. Episodes. Oh, is it like thirty episodes per season, son? No, oh, man, it's really? like 30 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Never mind, never mind. I never considered mind. it once, and I saw the amount of episodes. like, shit. <laughs> it's a gang of episodes, man. Look, I would just say just pick one random episode to watch. It, it was easily the most progressive show of its time. There's just a lot of, it's, you know, it's flawed like any um, piece of, you know, artistic material, nothing's perfect, but sometimes the imperfections will allow a degree of growth that in the future can help to make something, how we reminisce about it, a little bit more um, comical and even to some extent, you know, allow us to love it a little bit more, to see growth from some of those elements, right? Look, I'm going to give it three episodes. I'm going to do that for you all. I'm going to give it the first three episodes. Well, don't do the first, do the pilot. Do the pilot? Or don't do the pilot. Don't don't watch the pilot episode for that. If you're only giving it three, then don't watch the pilot episode. Here's my thing: if for any Star Trek, don't judge it by its first season. <laughs> so so any Star so if you're watching Next Generation, watch something from the second season. That's what I'd say. Don't don't watch the like. Mm -hmm. I, that's true. Of like of Next Generation, that's true. Deep Space Nine. I think Deep Space Nine is probably the best thing that has the word star in front of it. <laughs> G Space Nine to me is like the best star anything, right? It's like the best show ever, right? It's the best sci-fi thing I I I, I see. I just love it. But that said, the first like two scenes of that show 
are kind of garbage. So I mean, like, yeah. Man, so, that I mean, speaks volumes for the show, though, man. You're like, yeah, it's a great, it's amazing, it's the best show ever. Just the first two seasons, you're kind of garbage. Like, well, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like, not a good sales pitch, bro. I mean, it's not. You're right. It's not. A, it's it's not a great sales pitch, but it's true. I mean, like, like that's how good the last five seasons of D Space Nine are, right? Like I, that. The first two, I'm just like, this is all right. It's serviceable. It's fine. And then you, and then, and you get to a point where you're like, oh my god, this is everything I want in like a piece of fiction, you know? Uh, well, I think there was only five seasons of Deep Space Nine, if I'm not mistaken. I'm with I'm with Jared on this. That last two and a half seasons are dope, but that first two seasons are horrible. Like I'm surprised I was able to make it through. I just persevered because it was Avery Brooks. You know what I'm saying? It was um, what was my man's name from? He was in Spencer. For hire, oh, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, he was a Spencer for hire, man. So it was Avery Brooks. So I mean, I just, I kind of hung with it, but it was horrible. But it wasn't, yeah, it was horrible. It, was, yeah, horrible. it was just, it, it was like, it just wasn't the heights that it would get to. I, yeah. I think it's interesting got, that you say, uh, I got to see it because I always thought Twilight Zone was like the most progressive old school show. Um, you know, so if you're saying this is the most progressive for its time, then that's that's a yeah. big you statement. Know, you know, you know, and, and I think I think yeah. it's here's the difference between Twilight Zone and the Star Trek the original series, right? It's Twilight Zone sort of prayed, not prayed, but it it, it came from the perspective of these are your fears, right? These are your fears, mm -hmm. and, and and we're kind of telling you a lesson through your fears. What was bold about the Next Generation Star Trek, or no, I mean, the original series? Is that it was like no these we're coming from a place of hope you know we're coming from a place of like of not like this is what you're afraid of we're coming from a place of like what if the future was cool <laughs> you know what I mean like like what if there was something to look forward to you know and and that's I think Twilight Zone is a is a masterful show and I think I think it's it's definitely up there I mean you know but but I feel like that's the difference right is is one's coming from a place of hope and one's coming from a place of fear and I I, I don't know like I, I feel like you got to give props to like Star Trek for really kind of going with it and and trying something that you know a lot of shows don't don't a lot of shows don't try that you know they don't go from from that kind of perspective you know yeah I just think it's interesting yeah. you said that most that every first season kind of is trash so <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't speak volumes for the uh, for the series or the universe. But I mean, look, I'm, I'm gonna give it a go in the next podcast. Well, I, I don't know what what is it on Hulu. Oh man, where is Star Trek? Uh, it's on the okay, all right, I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna watch three episodes, right, man. and we can talk about it next <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna find that episode specifically that I told you guys about, and and I'm gonna send you the title. I want you guys to check that one out specifically. Right. Just so you can see the way that he just ready to bounce afterwards, man. Like he fully he instigates a brand new war for these dudes and just just jumps the spot. So I want you guys to see that one, man. Piss me off. Yeah, for real. So, man, um, um so I'm anticipating. Let's, let's, let's do a quick. Let's do a quick anticipation round. We're we're gonna talk about the one thing from 2021 we're looking forward to. Uh, I'll keep it comics. Like uh, DC just announced, or they're doing a bunch of books. Uh, they call Future State. Um, you know, we had a big podcast about uh, colorblind casting uh, and the idea of, you know, maybe heroes looking different. 
Um, and DC's doing that. You know, they they have uh, John Ridley, the screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave and uh, um, American Crime Story. Uh, he's writing a, a, a Batman book where Batman's black. Uh, they got a Wonder Woman who's Brazilian. Uh, they got, you know, they got all these different uh, uh, characters who, you know, look different than what you'd expect them to be. You know, Green Lantern's uh, the the black lady uh, from the N.K. Jemisin, uh, the novelist uh, from her Green Lantern run. Uh, so I'm excited to see where that goes and if they're able to, uh, you know, tell some compelling stories and 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 get get the fandom on board. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. What I'm anticipating for 2021 is a few things that actually came out in 2020. So there's a book that I'm reading um, that I bought that I haven't started reading called Queen of Cosmos. Full disclosure, I've known this woman for my almost my entire life. Her name is Barbara Mendez. I just now started reading the book, but she came out with it in 2021, but I'm looking extremely forward to it. It's good so far. And, you know, it's a comic book but it's very different from the kind of comics we normally read. But I feel like more and more I've had the opportunity to try to expand my horizons. What I think has been really cool about a lot of the cons uh, recently, especially with the way people are putting out their own comic books and fanzines and stuff like that, the expansion of the genre and what can fit into the comic book format has been interesting to me, especially in the last five to six years. And this book kind of fits that a little bit, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, whatever decisions Marvel decides to make on the Punisher is what I'm looking forward to. Frankie? Nice. Um, well, just special shout out to Cobra Kai, bro. I know it's already 2020, <laughs> it's already out, so I didn't, you know, I, it's not something to look forward to in 2021, but I was looking forward to it. Season three was amazing. Um, you know, I'm a big Karate Kid fan. I'm a big all kinds of things fans, but uh, this show really, it, uh, it surprised me. It surprised me. So big shout out to that. <clears throat> man, I'm looking forward to, man, there's so many horror movies coming out that we didn't get last year. You know, there's The, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, there's Candyman that we didn't get, um, Halloween Kills, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff on the horizon. Um, but I think, I don't know, I just saw the other day that they made, CBS made a series called Clarice which is based on the continuing story of uh, Clarice from, uh, from The Silence of the Lambs, from the, uh, yeah, from The Silence of the Lambs, the book. So it's, it's like, uh, I guess it takes place maybe a year or two after um, she was able to catch Buffalo Bill. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I've always, I, I love that book. The book was amazing. I read it when I was a kid. I love the movie and I love that character. Like that character was like, it's, yeah, she's just amazing. So I'm I'm curious what they're gonna. It's on CBS. I don't know if that, I mean it's on the streaming service. I don't know if that means it's like it's like public television and it's not gonna be as good as it could be um, if it were like on HBO or something, or if they're really gonna go for it. But I, I am I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If I may take a point of um a point of you know personal privilege here, cartoons have gotten way better. But I'm talking about the stuff that is targeted for younger kids, like my kids' age. There's a show called Kipo. Kipo in the Age of the Wonder Beast is with the title. And then the second, the reboot of She-Ra. Man, when I was a kid, I did not like the She-Ra cartoon. All of my male misogyny as a child. I loved He-Man, but I thought She-Ra was whack. This, I just finished the series with my daughter. It was dope. 
Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast is dope. Cartoons, man, the the emotional uh, maturity that these shows really put a lot of effort in trying to teach kids. Uh, they become more and more progressive. I will say this, the stuff I've watched this past year deserves you know, a special shout out on this, man. Because Steven Universe was some stuff that goes back several years um, on Cartoon Network. It was awesome. But man, it's like, it just keeps getting better and better. And there's a series I'm watching with my daughter called Hilda, which is incredibly progressive and smart and thoughtful. Man, I know you guys don't have any children. So maybe borrow a kid and sit down and watch some of these. It's fresh. That's terrible advice. <laughs> Don't ever forget that we were raised on Gargoyles, Batman the Animated Series, and Darkwing Duck. Yeah. And I learned a lot from Darkwing Duck. <laughs> uh, you learn to get dangerous. That's what you learn from Darkwing Duck. That's right. I, I do want yeah, I do want to say, I also point out real fast that we had a uh, a podcast about Things we love from 2020 and Jared brought some shit from 1964. But okay, continue. Continue. It was my rewatch. Yeah, I know you guys rewatched some stuff, right? It was my rewatch. Well, uh, I didn't mention it on purpose, bro. I saw Freaks and Geeks. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't talk about it. I wanted to, but uh, it's all right. Yeah. You know, it was Jared's moment. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you guys know 2020 had to be the year of rewatch, man. We were all stuck inside. How much That's stuff weird. did you rewatch, man? I've watched a bunch of stuff because Frankie you would mention things. I'm like, I'm gonna rewatch that when Frankie said something about um the office. I'm like, oh crap, let me I rewatch that whole series again. Just off of Frankie, you know, offhanded you know, mentioning something about the office. And you realize how much shows like The Office are just it's totally comfort television. You do not watch it to get smarter, you get you watch it to be comfortable, man. And I just didn't realize how much I needed that kind of stuff. Thank you, Frankie. I think the only show that I've watched as much as The Office is probably I Love Lucy. I think those are the only two shows that whenever they're on, I'll stop and watch because they're just, it's the same thing. It's, it's, comfort, it's comfort television. Is, uh, is yeah, it weird yeah. that my comfort television show is The Wire? Is that strange? Because I watch that show every year. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it just, it's like a warm blanket. It's because you want to yeah. experience those things yeah. that you never experienced growing up. So, you know? Yeah. Like you were, you were the nerd. You weren't the criminal. He wants to, so, <laughs> yeah, he wants to live in the fake Amsterdam, not the real Amsterdam. That's the experience. <laughs> All right, Jared, I'm going to say this before I say it. Are you going to interrupt me again? I might. It looks like uh, it's about time for us to wrap up. Cue Jared. No, okay, man. All right, it's about time for us to wrap up. How you gonna bring up Star Trek in a 2020 conversation about stuff we saw? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, continue, continue. How are you gonna sound sound like Eddie Murphy trying to sound like Richard Pryor saying, yeah, I'm gonna like sometimes be taking the shit and... (laughs) (laughs) Nice, man. Well, you know what? Good riddance to 2020. We're, you know, we're looking for a a hopeful year, a positive year. Um, Like I said, good riddance. And man, I'm expecting big things. Uh, also, big things from Mutant Minority. Thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Jared Birdsong, Rocco Baggins. You can uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter under Black Spinach. And also, um, actually, you can find Mutant or Minority also on Instagram and Twitter under uh, at Mutant or Minority. Uh, what about you, Frankie? 
you can find me at bus stop profit on Instagram as well as my horror horror page, which is the Breakfast Chainsaw Massacre. Jerry, you got something to say? Yo, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and the socials in general at spaceman underscore spaceman underscore Jared. Uh, yeah, uh, like, comment, and subscribe. I don't know. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks again for uh, listening to me, Minority. It's 2021. Watch out for insurrectionists. Stay true to the game. Homeless where the heart is true. When it's homeless, this become a city's hollers of cool. Hard of our views, cubes consuming garbage for food. We assume they've been doomed by narcotics and booze. Or watch narcotics and lose. We've been brought up with views where people burn or move. That are watching the views, assuming problems and choose. Had the same chance, but the squander of fools. Belief in God that refuse. It's probably a ruse. And it's peace for the use of lies between you and I. They need to be euthanized. What you con to these failures? They draw the pity willer. They say these for the willer. They remind us with the smell of the urine and shit. In a land where you're sure to get rich, we build a pit of eternity grit. We're the hypocrites, the ones who are sick. In this land of the free, survival of the fit.